My goodness, where did the time go? Was that January just then? I lost my calendar. Is this thing on? This is Big Green. Yes, we're back. Happy New Year, everybody. <laughs> I'm very happy to be here. Oh, it's like almost a month old. <laughs> Jesus, what happened to us? Yeah, we're, we're falling behind. I'm afraid we were making rather merry last night. <laughs> <laughs> yes, again. And yeah, we have a wonderful show in store for you this, this month uh, <laughs> of January. I mean, February. Last uh, January episode for February. That's right. We lost the January episode. We found it for February, so here it comes. Nedrick 16 on its way. We've got some nice songs that you've probably heard before. And uh, some other pointless conversations. That you've probably heard before, too. <laughs> but it'll seem like you're... Stay tuned. This is Lee Majors. Last time on Ned Trek, our intrepid crew of space travelers traveled to a strange Christmas planet where they did battle against an evil Commodore 64 supercomputer inhabited by the mind of Rick Santorum. The whole thing reminded me of when I fought Bigfoot on the Six Million Dollar Man, except that it was almost nothing like that at all. The fact is, everything reminds me of my fight with Bigfoot. Turns out that that was the highlight of my career up to this point anyhow. Looks like our intrepid crew has some career highlights ahead of them this month, so stay tuned. Space, the ultimate marketplace. These are the voyages of the Starship Free Enterprise. Its mission of undetermined length, um, until we're canceled, I guess. To seek out strange new commodities, exploitable alien workforces, to brazenly amass the largest profits that any corporation has before. Captain's Log, Stardate 12. <laughs> Got tired of that overcomplicated interstellar calendar and started using my own about a week ago. Or was that the week before? <laughs> well, anyway, we're between assignments here on the Starship Lollipop. <laughs> I mean, the Free Enterprise. And we've been enjoying a little well-deserved R&R. That's repossession and resale for you financial neophytes out there. Why, just this morning, I called in the mortgage on the entire planet of Tarsus Four. I gave Governor Cota some good ideas on how to raise money by cutting food, housing, health care, you name it. 
He wants to get the surplus population down anyway. Kudos to Kodos, I say. <laughs> you know, Kodos and I went to Kingswood together back in the day. His nickname was Butchie. Mine was Nick, I think. <laughs> Man, children. Now, what were we talking about? Oh, right, my log entry. I'm in the senior officer's break room, working with the Nixon android on that big speech I'm certain I'll make one day. Okay, Captain Romney, now repeat after me. Right you are, Mr. Nixon. <clears throat> I, Richard Milhouse Nixon, do solemnly swear. I, Richard Milhouse Nixon, do solemnly... Whoa! <laughs> Wait a minute, Mr. Nixon. <laughs> you did it again. <laughs> did what again, Captain? Inserted your name in the name hall, that's what. That's the fifth time in a row, sir. That can't be, Captain. I always check with Hoover before I insert anything into a hole. I say, I say. Though I was entirely occupied with this here delicious Georgia peach cobbler, I do believe that the captain is correct, Mr. Nixon, sir. Doc's right. Anyway, why are you practicing your inaugural address, Captain? Isn't it customary to wait until you've been named president by a majority of reactionary Supreme Court justices first? <laughs> right you are, Mr. Pearl. I just thought I'd get a little practice in for when that day inevitably arrives, that's all. And nobody on the ship knows the oath of office better than Mr. Nixon here. Why, he took it twice and broke it to pieces at least a dozen times. Gosh, Captain, do you really think you'll be selected president after all these centuries? You know, I've always known I was destined for higher office. Ambition is something you're born with, Mr. Pearl, and I was a precocious child from the zygote stage on up. I remember planning my ascent to greatness during the months I spent gestating in the Romney Mega Incubator just outside Salt Lake. I would bounce ideas off of a big-headed zygote named Megazor in the next tube over. And hey, he went on to be future leader of all's on. That could just as easily have been me. I say, this Megazor sounds like the demon spawn of some godless alien, Captain Sir. He shouldn't be spoken of on a god-fearing starship, that's for sure. Oh, sure. I remember Megazor. I did a consult for him a few years ago. He needed a whole boatload of different weapons. Lasers, blade launcher gizmos, Zon protector suits, the usual stuff. The weird part was that he insisted each weapon should have a hidden flaw that would render it useless under some random circumstance. No idea what that was about, but hey, he paid in advance. Shut the hell up, Pearl. Doesn't take a hidden flaw to render you useless. In fact, your flaws are as plain as the extra-long, crack-under-bloated, neocon chicken hawk ass. Quit it, Ned. My ass is not plain. Or bloated. How can you tell, elephant man? What, do you have a webcam back there with a wide-angle lens? Captain, Mr. Ned's making fun of me again. Make him stop. <laughs> boys, boys, let's not get ourselves worked up into a lather. Remember, we're having limbatoid ice cream later. Now, twice is green. Now, Ned, tell Mr. Pearl that you really didn't mean to say all those hurtful things, even if they were true. I tell it to your ass, Willard. Leave this horse alone. I'll be in my cabin. Stupid horse! I say, Captain, Mr. Ned seems a little 
I don't know, testy-like. That jabberwockin' hobby horse came down on poor old Mr. Pearl here like El Zoggy and Toads in a cave-in. Pardon me for saying so, sir, but no one, no one has a right to talk to a Confederate officer like that, even if he is a God-hating Jew. No one, I say. Um, thanks. You know, Doc's right, Captain. Ned has been nastier than usual lately, and I don't just mean his animal smell. <laughs> it might just be one of those women's complaints. Nothing a bouquet of flowers and a heart-shaped box of stale chocolates can't cure. That's all it took to get Pat through my two terms as president in just five and a half years, with time off for good behavior. Um, is there anyone here besides me who finds this kind of disturbing? Absolutely, Mr. Sulu. If Ned's off his feedback, we need to act and act fast. He's my executive officer, after all, and I'm no Merriam-Webster, but I'm pretty sure that means it's his responsibility to carry out all of my responsibilities. If anything happens to Ned, I would have to outsource my duties to his Mexican counterpart, Lieutenant Commander Eduardo de la Horsa. And while that would represent a 40% savings in personnel costs, that would be more than offset by my having to hire someone who actually speaks Spanish. Though I hear the sign language interpreter from the Mandela Memorial Service is looking for work. <laughs> I say, that would not sit well with me at all, Captain, sir. I have to think of how that might affect the women folk and their delicate humors. Never mind that, Doc. For God's sake, don't you have any way of telling whether or not Mr. Ned is cracking up? Can't say I know the first thing about animal husbandry, particularly of the equine variety. Howsomever... We do have a specialist on board in whose care I will gladly place our first officer. As you may recall, Dr. Bogoto did his residency in a large animal veterinary clinic. He's just the man we need. Dr. Bogoto, I say, Dr. Bogoto. Ooh, doctor, come in, sir. This is Bogoto. What do you want? I'm in the middle of an experiment. Now, see here, Doctor. This is a matter of great urgency. You can resume your investigation at Pekka Piccalilly a little later on. Just get yourself down to the officer's rec room 5 on deck 7 and hurry down up there. Coburn out. Oh, shoot it. I meant to tell him to go to rec room 7 on deck 5. He's going to end up waylaid in the pit of hell. That rec room seven is where all the biology lab technicians talk candidly about devilish scientific incantations. Gosh, I'm impressed with Bugoto's resume. I didn't know we had any experts on pepper piccalilli technology on board. Why, that project carries a level five security clearance, Lieutenant Commander Pearl. So just hush up your mouth. The last thing we want is a bombulant intelligence to pick up on it. Should that sad circumstance ever come to pass, our blessed confederacy would be lost. Forever lost. Uh, Doc, I think you mean confederation, not confederacy. I say you deny my heritage? You, the conniving offspring of the elders of Zion. How dare you, sir? It's like the great war of Yankee aggression all over again. I wish I was in Dixie. Hooray, hooray. Okay, I'm here. So what? You want me for a sing-along? Sheesh. Just when I was getting some traction in my research, I got all my bell jars all washed and ready to receive the piping hop pick-a-lily. Pipe down about that now, Doctor. 
We need your skill in a most confounded medical question. <laughs> That's right, Dr. Bugato. You see, Mr. Ned is acting strangely. We think he might be, you know, under the weather. <laughs> like he's got a head cold. Or maybe he's going mental. <laughs> a little hard to tell with Ned. There's always something fistulating his withers. Mmm, <laughs> I see. Funny you should say this. Why's that? Well, just the other day, I asked this chopstick to bring him some of my latest batch of piccalilli on a shingle. And he threw it back at her like it was a full-ton grenade. Get out of here with that sheet, he told her in no uncertain terms. When she came back to sickbay, she had piccalilli all over her humiliatingly skimpy uniform. You see, Doc, he is losing his cud. Captain, you should relieve Mr. Ned of his command immediately before he... before he sends us careening into a supernova. You know, Ann and I had a 68 supernova when we were just starting out. <laughs> Way back in the salad days, old Russ Bucket. Our chief gardener used to drive it into town every morning to pick up his load of day laborers. He sure knew how to stretch his salary. <laughs> Sometimes he'd come back with a dozen braceros or more, ready to harvest and process our luncheon salad greens. Um, what do you think is wrong with Mr. Ned, Dr. Bakuto? It's the fun par. I know it. I've seen it many times before. And oh, this is so not good. What's fun par? Didn't she work for Oliver North? Oh, Oh, no, wait. Wait a minute. That's that's like a golf score. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Worse than that, even. It's the Palamonian mating ritual. I say, the Palo what in the who now? You see, every adult male horse, cow, and donkey on Mr. Ned's home planet of Palamonius 12 gets this thing. They have to return for the fawn par ritual of mating. And take a wife or die. Die? You mean die as in gulp? Croak? <laughs> well, I certainly doubt croaking has much to do with it. That's more like what happens around mating season on Amphibinius 12. Yes, every spring you can see thousands of froggies jumping from their five-story minarets. Or was that Paris in the 60s? <laughs> I'll get France on the phone. I see now. See here now, Captain Romney, sir. I don't believe that you grasp the full gravity of the situation here. Based on Dr. Bogoto's expert opinion, we need to make a beeline for Palaminius 12 so that Mr. Ned can travel down the bridle path of equine matrimony like any God-fearing man-horse. Good point, Doc. Mr. Sulu, lay in a course for Palaminius 12. Warp something. I don't know. How about 12? That seems like my number of the day. <laughs> but, Captain... What about our scheduled rendezvous with the CSS Ruby Ridge and the Confederation Battle Group at Canopus? A course for Palaminius 12 would take us in the wrong direction. Good point, Mr. Sulu. Doc, prepare a horse-shaped pine box for Mr. Ned just in case Dr. Bugoto's prediction comes true. What the hell was that, Willard? Have you been sampling the contraband again? Good point, mister. Oh, <laughs> Hey, Ned, we were just talking about you. <laughs> yeah, I know. 
I've only been standing here for the last five minutes, Willard. You might have noticed if you haven't been blinded by the miasma of stupidity you've been generating with that thing you call your mouth. Uh, I was going to say something, but it seemed kind of pointless. I say, Mr. Netzer, while I hate to approach a topic of such delicacy, it seems that we have to get you to Palamini's Twelve so that you can do what God intended with some appropriately fertile little filly. He's right. Just what he said. Every 28 and a half years, you have to return to your home planet with bells on or its curtains. Glue factory time hooves in the air. Home planet, my yes. I've never even been to Palamonius 12. There is such a place. Well, you don't know what you've been missing, Ned. It's a whole barnyard in space. <laughs> Palamonius 12 is one of 12 livestock planets Bane Galactic established when we decided to get into cattle futures in a big way. We short-sell cattleback security, see? Planets like Palaminius keep inventories high, and that causes a pan-galactic price collapse in the livestock trade. Cha-ching! <laughs> Another triumph for the invisible hand! Well, it's an ill wind indeed that doesn't blow some cow some good. Or some horse, at least. Anyway, what the hell does this have to do with me, Willard? Biology, my horse-like friend. Equine biology. You've got the fond par in the worst way. No point in hiding it. I've heard enough out of you, Dr. Goathole. Jesus. You see, I was right. Denial is a symptom of the fond par. And he's up to his withers in it. I say, we've got to do what we can to save that old Confederate cavalry horse, Captain, before that Yankee biology shoots him right in the back. Hooah! You think so, Doc? Well, okay. I guess I'll talk to Admiral McConnell and see if he'll give us a hall pass. I'm going up to the bridge. Mr. Sulu, you're with me. If you say so, sir, I thought that McConnell was a Commodore. Gee, me too. I don't understand it. Lieutenant Smith checked out the script for continuity problems, and he said that it checked out fine. I think that my rank is still the same, unfortunately. Um, yes. I've noticed that your rankness doesn't ever seem to change, does it? Hi! Lieutenant Gupta? See if you can get me Admiral McConnell at Starbase 12. And try not to let him notice that you've got African ancestry. That always makes him a little extra cranky. Just duck behind your chair when he comes up on the monitor. <laughs> oh, Captain, my mother was from Bangalore, and my father was Dutch. No kidding. You know, Bain Galactic's Dutch division had an operation in Bango Pango. That's near you, isn't it? Maybe that's where your dad met your mom. <laughs> oh, Admiral McConnell on line two, sir. I'll be. I thought he'd be on 12. <laughs> oh, well. Admiral, how are you, sir? <laughs> I'll get by, Willard. Hey, was that a darky I just saw now? Can't tell, Admiral. She's hiding behind a chair. Besides, she's utterly subordinate. You've got a well-trained bridge crew, Captain Romney. Now, what did you want? Get to the point, Captain. I'm one busy boss cracker. Well, sir, I wanted to divert the free enterprise to Pelominius 12 before our rendezvous. 
Don't like the sound of that, Romney. No, not at all. That's a French word, ain't it? No, sir. I mean, yes, sir. <laughs> what I mean is, sir, my real second language is Mexicano, sir. Speak English, Romney, or I'll have you deported. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I'll try my best, Colonel. I mean, Admiral. I mean, though, though you are a Kentucky Colonel, aren't you? Romney! Here, sir. I mean, we're not going to Pelomenius for any French reasons, sir. I see, Captain, sir. Tell the Admiral Colonel that Mr. Ned is going to die if we don't mosey on over there. No, Captain, no. Never tell him the truth. He needs plausible deniability. Make up something fast. Tell him there's an animal rebellion or something. And don't fidget. He hates it worse than dark people. <clears throat> um, Admiral, we, <clears throat> um, uh, need to go there to stop, um... A rebellion! Uh, um... A uh, rebel yell that uh, uh, somebody heard coming from the uh, uh, herd. Um. Oh, Jesus. Admiral, this is Lieutenant Commander Pearl, sir. Interim spokesman, and with your indulgence, future captain of the Free Enterprise. We have ironclad intelligence that indicates a rebellion is brewing on Palomenius 12. One of our drunkest and most reliably useful informants, who goes by the name of Liarball, tells us that members of the uh, Bovine Liberation Front were overheard planning a coup last week. There was a strategy meeting at the Animals Fair. Apparently the birds and the beasts were there as well, sir. The BLF? Holy jumping Jehoshaphats! That could disrupt our whole short sailing operation. Are you sure that's what's happening down there, Mr. Prell? It's Pearl, sir, and yes, I'm certain. The case is a slam dunk. You better be right, pile, or I'll bust you down to an umbrella stand. Gulp. Computed. Okay, Romney, you've got five solar dates. But I want to see some phone on the head scalps, boy. You here? <laughs> Righty-o, Admiral. <laughs> you can count on the free enterprise, Romney out. Mr. Solo? Laying a course for Palomenius 12. But, Captain, should Mr. Ned be informed? And ruin the surprise? Nonsense, Mr. Sulu. Just point the free enterprise towards the planet of the horses and step on the space gas. <laughs> Actually, sir, if I lay in a direct course, we would collide with at least three yellow dwarf stars and one red giant. Capital, we'll just drop a hook in one of them and tow it home for scrap. I say, sir. We can make a charm bracelet out of them and give it to our Lord Jesus. He likes them a nice chain of burning dwarfs. Maybe I should just nod and stop asking questions. Might make this show a bit shorter. Captain's Log, Stardate 5. Yes, dear diary, I'm still on my new calendar system. I just lost count and had to start over. That's what Peter and Mater always told me to do when I was earning my MBA at Harvard, and man, did that pay off. <laughs> anyway, we are in what Mr. Sulu calls a standard orbit around Palamidius 4. Uh, that's Palamidius 12, sir. <laughs> of course, we're in orbit around Palamidius 12. I have assembled a landing party consisting of myself, Mr. Ned, Doc Coburn, Doc Bugoto, and Mr. Pearl. We're bringing the Nixon robot along in case Ned needs a ring bearer. I've chosen myself as best man. Can't wait to see Ned's face when I tell him. (laughs) 
So this is Mr. Ned's home planet. Well, that Earth certainly has changed since the last time I was here. That's all I could say. It also seems to have acquired an additional seven moons. I say, maybe it's just that you're still percolating through that transporter contraption, sir. Perhaps the recollection of your motherland will beam down a little later on. I seem to have the clear recollection that you're a bellicose cheesy quack besides being a stupid racist cracker. <laughs> Sounds pretty tasty to me. Hey, Ned, if Doc's a cracker, he's most certainly a Ritz. And as our most holy book of slogans says, everything tastes better when you're sitting at a table at the Ritz. I say, right you are, Captain, sir. And as our Lord Jesus said to the multitude, mm-mm, partake of me, my children. I'm a good cracker. Speaking of Cheez-Its, is it me or does this place reek to high heaven? Listen, you, Mr. Nixon. Not unless you've converted your ion-powered generator to run on Limburger. Wow, that stench. Rancid as Palomini's 12. Now I know where that popular old expression comes from. Gentlemen, please keep your voices down. We have to listen for the approach of the wedding party. What the hell are you talking about, me goat hole? What the hell did we cart this guy down here for anyway? Don't we already have the area of medical incompetence adequately covered by a regular medical hack? It's the tradition of your home planet, Mr. Ned. This I know. When one of the livestock goes into Fawn Par, all of the Palamonian elders must gather and attend his joining ceremony. You mean, every time a cow or a horse gets married down here, the planet's entire leadership comes to the reception? Huh. Yes, yes, stop asking so many questions. You're undermining the premise of the episode. Mr. Nixon robot thingy, go give that futuristic-looking gong a good whack. It looks like a cowbell. When I was a boy in Yorba Linda, I played a cowbell in my grammar school concert band. I wanted to play the timpani, but some Jew beat me to it. Those mallets should have been mine, but alas, things might have gone differently had I been allowed to play the big copper drums. As it was, I had to grab the cowbell away from some wetback when he wasn't looking. Oh, just hit it, Nixon. Here they come, the wedding party, dressed to the tent. You mean the nines? Yeah, only better. Maybe 9.41. Doc, do you know who that is? I see, Captain. To whom are you referring? That cow in the sedan chair wearing the pointy hat. That's Takao. The only bovine who ever turned down a seat on a Confederation Dairy Council. I see. Why, I had no idea that Mr. Ned's family was so important. And may I say, so attractive as well. Such a fine, graceful specimen of a lady. She bears the mark of a fine herd. Family, that's a cow, you idiot. I'm a horse, remember? A dressage horse. Hold the phone, Ned. The cow's equerry is coming over to have a word with us. He appears to be a man, like us. Except possibly gay, judging by his getup. Doc, am I up to date on all my inoculations? I see why you should be, Captain Sir. Your blood should be teeming with anti-pansy bodies. 
But just to be on the safe side, don't shake any of his limp hands. Greetings. My name is Wallace Simpson, and I am chief equerry to the venerable Tagal, bovine elder of Palamonius Twelve, and ruler of the stockyards here. I say, old man, are you the leader of the party from the Confederation? <clears throat> what if I was? Oh, Jesus, not that again! Well, if you were, I'd offer you my hand in friendship on behalf of Her Grace, the Venerable Tagal. Oh, no! Doc, what'll I do? I'll get a handful of homo cooties. <laughs> they might even put me through this planet's version of the gay spanking machine. <laughs> I see. It is within your command prerogative to refuse, Mitt. However, I fear it may cause an interplanetary incident of a very delicate nature indeed. In other words, suck it up, Willard. Shake the man's hand. That's okay, Captain. I'll shake his hand. I've built up an, um, immunity to homo cooties. <laughs> Greetings, friend. Ah, so you are the head of this hardy band of space entrepreneurs. Um, well, yes, now that you suggest it. Welcome to Palaminius 12, Captain. Captain... Uh, Quig. I'm Quig, though my friends call me Pearl. That may or may not be true. I never actually met anyone who owned up to being one of Pearl's friends. Capital, Captain Quig. I heard one of your shipmates here describe himself as a dressage horse. Did I hear that correctly? Yes, that was one of us. Which one was it? Take a wild guess, for corn's sake. The only one that has a horse's head to go along with our horse's ass. Simpson? The handsome quadruped. Is he the one? Um, yes, esteemed to cow. It is he. Who is that shriveled little biped beside him? Um, jeepers, I think she means me. <laughs> it is I, Takao, Captain Willard Matilius Romney of the Confederation Starship Free Enterprise. Crumpets! Whoa, what a strange dialect. I wonder what that means. Just crumpets, my good man. She simply adores them, you see. She can't go five minutes without. Simpson! Crumpets! Oh, my. Yes, they're coming, Your Grace. Good. I want him, the four-legged one, to take part in the games. I've never seen anyone kowtow so much to a cow. It borders on embarrassing. What am I doing now? What games? This is part of the fun par, the mating ritual. Before you take a bride, you will have to fight a rival to the death. Then drink from the enchanted fountain of Uranus. It holds a golden liquid called urine. Um, no, actually, I'm afraid you're a bit confused. The great Takao is talking about our annual dressage horse competition. You will be called upon to dance a rival to the death. But there is no fountain of Uranus, at least not for this competition. But for whatever it's worth, it is a common misconception. See, just as I said, it's a very secretive ritual, so they're compelled to lie about it. Actually, it's no secret. We also have reindeer games. Care to sign up for them? It's such fun. 
Look, buddy, I'm not dancing for anybody unless I see some green first. And I'm not talking space, hey. I'm a professional for crying out loud. Well, there are valuable prizes for the winner. A veritable mountain of precious currency. A six-piece dinette set. And a I Dance Myself rented t-shirt. With a screen-printed hoofmark from the venerable Takao herself. Wow, a mountain of gold. I was born on one of those in one of my life stories. <laughs> ah, yes. I remember the time on Romney's Golden Mountain when a stranger came to town and attempted a hostile takeover of Sam Walton's dry goods store. <laughs> but wait, there's more. More? I've always wanted more. Can I dance in the reindeer games? Oh, now, Mr. Pearl. Stop building yourself up for a big disappointment. Takao says there are more than 400 contest entries already. The victor in the dressage contest wins the hand of the Honorable Takao's adopted granddaughter, Tabang, the most enchanting example of equine pulchritude ever to grace the stables of Palamonius Twelve. Oh, I could just imagine. And behold, gentlemen, here comes Tabang now. Gosh, Ned, your tongue is hanging out. Do you want some club soda or something? It's the blood fever. That's how it starts. Look at his eyes bugging out like toy balloons. For your information, I just dropped a contact lens. Start the music, simpleton. I want to dance, damn it. Not so fast. Tabang must now choose a worthy opponent. Are you ready, Honorable Tabang? So it was in the beginning. Simpson, when was the beginning? Five, maybe six years ago. So it was in the beginning. So it is today. I choose... This one! But wait a minute. She just lifted a hoof at the cabinet. I thought for sure she was going to pick that formidable-looking bullsteed over there. What's his name? Steen or something. <laughs> what? Me? <laughs> These natives. Very well. Mr. Pearl, put in a call to Mr. Sulu on board the Free Enterprise and have him send down one of the dancing Stephanies. Stephanie K should do nicely. He was the stand-in in the Starbase 12 production of Company, and one drunk admiral said it was almost watchable. No, Captain, No! Choosing a stand-in would be considered a grave insult on Palamonius Twelve. Actually, we'd be okay with that. We all loved company. It also went down well on Uva Tapaki, a moon run completely by water buffaloes. But it could cause an interplanetary inkadink, a mortifying inkadink of galactic proportions. Come on, Willard. Get your sorry ass out on the dance floor, and let's get this party started. Golly, <laughs> I don't know. I've always delegated my dancing duties, even at my own wedding. <laughs> and stand-in was Connie Francis, if I recall correctly. <laughs> I see. I'd advise against it, Captain, sir. Particularly since you're not so fully accustomed to the miasma of the reek that envelops this here planet here. Captain... I'd be happy to stand in for it. I am programmed to rejoice in every manifestation of the Terpsichorean muse. Ike even started calling me Twinkletoes. 
That was back in 54, right after the Geneva Conference on Indochina. Dulles was almost doubled over with jealousy. Those Ivy League types place a lot of value in nicknames. I never understood the fascination myself. Drop the needle on that exotic space dance music, Simpleton! Well, here we are ringside for the 7th Annual Palomineus 12 Dressage Competition, sponsored by Bain Galactic. I'm Pat Summerall, and with me is famed neocon Mr. Richard Pearl. What can we expect out of the competitors this year, Richard? Any surprises in store? Well, Pat, we've got a very seasoned competitor, Mr. Ned. A dressage veteran, in fact. He should give us a very good performance. I just wish for our audience's sake that this was a television program. Roger that, Mr. Pearl. <laughs> What about this Captain Romney? He's a bit of a dark horse. Um, well, dark and horse are not words I commonly associate with a captain. Now, blindingly white and ass might be more appropriate. Hate to interrupt, Richard, but Captain Romney is now stepping out into the ring. Mr. Ned is in full canter. Look at that stride. Impressive. Captain Romney, on the other hand, appears to be employing a square dance strategy with hints of schoolyard karate. What a mismatch! Hard to disagree with that. Doc Coburn, has this ever occurred before in dressage competition? I say, you mean man on horse? Yeah. That is as unnatural as Zorfian Ocelot milking a tin can. Though I recollect one such competition in Baton Rouge, I believe. It was so foul an offense to the laws of Almighty God that Jesus himself came down to put a halt to the proceedings. Jesus took the form of a heavenly deluge of superseding water. In other words, it started to rain, right? Wait, what's this? Captain Romney has stopped his dance and reached into his pocket. I can't believe it. He's taking a call in the middle of his routine. That's Dekau calling a timeout. Romney's on the phone still. He appears to have forgotten his surroundings entirely. Nothing new in that, Pat. As you can see, he's absentmindedly wandering out of the ring. One more step and he'll forfeit my mountain of gold. I mean, his prize money. More on that later. While everyone's enjoying crumpets, it appears that, yes, someone is stepping up to take Captain Romney's place. It's the Nixon android. That would be sacrilege. The Palamonians will tear us apart. Wait a minute. I'm a vet. Perhaps I could persuade them to keep me around for a while. I'm a veritable magician with a hoof fungus. No, actually, we have no problem with robotic substitutions at all. Last year, in fact, someone substituted a battery-powered toy battleship called a battle wagon for Tepang's chosen champion. It did quite well. Definitely a crowd pleaser. Resume dancing! Holy cow! Look at this, Richard! A Nixon android is jumping around like a Rigelian Springbok stench lizard. 
I've never seen such agility in a drone. There may still be some practical military use for Nixon after all. This is like old times. Whoa, a triple axle followed by a backflip. Ever seen anything like this, Doc? I say, I say. Not since back in 64, when I took my place at a lunch counter for my daily demitasse and chaser of piccalilli meat. I was then, for the first time, mind you, rudely confronted with the ugly reality of desegregation. My sorrow and reflexive nervous aversion led me to hop around like a Rigelian springbok. Sotsu feet! That's the bell! And Takao's equerry is walking into the ring and... He's holding Nixon's robotic arm in the air! And I mean the one that's still attached to his body! Nixon's the one! Nixon's the one! What an upset! Howsomever, I for one am greatly relieved. And not merely because nature necessitated that I make use of this here empty bucket of battered Orion badger toes. Hey, it's not empty. I was still eating that. I say, just look on it as this space colonel's contribution of a mustard glazing. Oh, yes. Very tangy, I'm sure. As I was saying, I'm deeply relieved that such an unnatural parent as our captain in that four-legged trollop of a dressage horse would surely bring a plague upon our own house. Gosh, Ned, you lost to Nixon. How will you ever live this down? Just the thought of him comforting through the valley of ponies is payback enough for me. I say, are you saying that you are no longer desirous of knowing that little filly in the biblical sense? What the hell are you now? A large animal urologist? That was the last thing on my mind. I just like to show off, that's all. I am a freaking dressage horse. And I'm also 65 years old, you ding-dong. See? Now that the contest is over, the madness is gone. Well, gentlemen, I guess you'll be leaving us now. No, really, when are you leaving? Takao wants to know. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What about the riches? Our man Nixon won fair and square. Tell us more about those riches. Your so-called Nixon has won a pearl of a great prize, my friend, in the lovely Tabang. Yeah, well, our pearl is more of the bargain basement variety. Shut up, Ned. Simpson, you said there would be a mountain of gold. Solid gold! Oh, I see. You mean the mountain of currency that is due our champion. Ah, uh, Mr. Pearl, sir, there's something you should know about the Palamonian currency. As a large animal veterinarian myself, I have been paid in Palopazuzas many times. I don't care if they're Lollapazuzas. It must have some value. And it's mine, all mine. Actually, it belongs to your so-called Mr. Nixon. He's a robot, you idiot. My robot. I won him fair and square in a rigged game of three-dimensional checkers. Anything he owns goes straight to me. He forfeited his right to private property centuries ago when he turned to a life of crime. Acknowledged crime, that is. Hmm. Mr. Nixon, what do you say? I am not a crook. I am an animatronic ex-president whose programming does not include a desire for wealth, status, or a four-legged spouse. After all... That is what drove me to disgrace and eventual redemption. And once through that cycle is more than enough for this man from Yorba Linda. Well then, Mr. Pearl, I'd say that the prize purse is yours. Behold, 
a veritable mountain of currency. Where? Where? Behind that whopping pile of horse dung? Why, it is the horse dung, of course. Of course. I tried to tell you, Mr. Pearl, sir. That's how they pay for everything around here. You should see how much dung I have back at home. That's what happens when a planet goes off the gold standard. The sheep dip really hits the fan. Now, see here, Mr. Pearl. I wouldn't ordinarily presume to stand between a man and his dung, but as a medical doctor, I would advise against tunneling through that reeking mountain of excrement, particularly with your bare hands, as you appear to be doing right now. But, but it can't all just be dung. It must have some value. Well, gentlemen, and Ned, what did I miss? <laughs> Only the main point of this entirely pointless exercise, Willard. Good going. I see, Captain. That call you took must have been a priority one message from Starfleet's command. What other communication would prompt you to abdicate your responsibility to the moth-eaten plot of a Ned Trek episode? <laughs> that was the CFO of Bane Galactic. He needed authorization to proceed with a very important stock transaction. Stock, you say, Captain? Was it common stock? Preferred stock? Livestock! Bane Galactic has sold its interest in Pelomini's 12 Lock, Stock, and Barrel. Sold? Who's the new owner? <laughs> well, it's a consortium headed by none other than Takao. She is now the queen of the whole reeking planet. <laughs> she already was queen, Willard. What the hell did you use for money anyway? As far as I could see, there's nothing on this planet worth a damn. Well, that's why you're wrong, Ned. Turns out this planet is more than just a cheap hedge against beef prices. In exchange for a title to Palomenius 12, Takao has given us access to the planet's vast resources, enough to power whole forced labor manufacturing colonies and build an endless supply of cheap munitions. Why, what resource would that be, Captain? Dung! Dung! Mountains of dung! Rancid as Palomenius 12! Ours for the taking! <laughs> I knew it! I knew it! It's the mother load! Fertilizer bombs! Two-stage ammonia gas munitions! Woohoo! Looks like Pearl found his holy grail again! Romney to Free Enterprise! Come in! Sulu here, Captain. Six to beam up, Mr. Sulu, and tell Mr. Welsh to prepare to take on some cargo. Uh, cargo, sir? That's right, Mr. Sulu. And you better tell him to pull on his Wellingtons. He's got some shoveling to do. <laughs> Very well, Captain. I'm sure he'll be pleased to hear it. Energize! Uh, I'm on the bridge, sir. But I'll call down to the transporter room and see if anyone's there. It's great to be back on the bridge of the Free Enterprise and heading for our next adventure. You know, Willard, you don't have to draw everybody a picture. We all heard the transition music. I can't help it, Ned. I feel re-energized, like I'm starting my second run for president all over again. About 47% of me feels like throwing up right about now. 
Sir, incoming transmission from Starfleet's command. Rear Admiral McConnell at Starbase 12. Rear Admiral? That's funny. I don't recall the Admiral having a rear, <laughs> particularly on his front. <laughs> I guess even top officers are anatomically human when you get right down to it. Pipe the call down here, Lieutenant. Hello, Admiral. I see I should be addressing your rear now. <laughs> Rodney, what the hell have you got to say for yourself? Well, quite a lot, usually, sir. Which of my personal stories would you like to hear about today? <laughs> How about the one that got me busted back a rear admiral? Romney, you told me you were going to fight an insurgency. You didn't say nothing about the self-motivating deal-making with the cow. Now the top brass at Starfleet is hotter than a batter biscuit at Sunday breakfast. And all because I told them that you were putting down an insurrection. <laughs> well... <laughs> Sorry about that, Admiral. I mean, Rear Admiral. <laughs> Sorry doesn't cut it, Rodney. Now I have to answer to a cow. And not just any cow, either. A sheep cow. All thanks to you. The corn hell. Crumpets. Where are my crumpets? I don't know who that is, Admiral, but she's obviously very, very hungry. Damn you, Rodney. Coming, Your Grace. McConnell out. You know, I think the Admiral might be suffering from the fond par. You should learn to shut up, Dr. Goathole. It's largely thanks to you that that good man was busted down to the servant of a crumpet-loving cow. Engineer in the bridge? What is it, Mr. Welsh? Are the engines about to blow apart again? <laughs> Ach, no, sir. We finished loading the cargo, sir. Excellent. And how is our precious cargo? Forgive me for saying so, sir, but it's as rancid as Palaminius 12. That's appropriate for this warp-driven honey wagon. Ah, the sweet smell of success. No matter where you find it, it's just as intoxicatingly rancid. Mr. Silo? Aye, sir. Take us to episode 17 and hurry. We need to be there in about a month's time. <laughs> yes, sir. Mr. Nixon, you've been pretty quiet about Palomini's 12. Nothing to say? No, Mr. Pearl. Except for the first time in my life, I was groovy. Oh, yeah. Make that the second time in my life. I said the same thing in the Space Libertarian episode, didn't I? No, actually, it was the episode with the Spectarians. But nobody watched that one either. Nobody's going to see this episode. And nobody care if they did. Sounds like somebody's getting a touch of the fun par again. And so soon. Why'd you just get the hell out of here? <laughs> Take us out, Mr. Sulu, and make it snow. Aye, aye, sir. <laughs> First we met, I saw your lovely eyes look into mine, then dart away for just an instant to the part of me that says, he's different. Embarrassed, you try to hide the fact that you've noticed. You would not want to hurt my feelings. How droll. 
Speak it out. The question I read in your eyes. Why is he set this way apart from me? Is there really a pointed difference between us? If you this question pose to me, I'll answer you as best I can. Although the limits of your mind will not adjust to compute the technicalities of my world's inheritance. For Vulcan is not your mother earth. It is the world I grew up in. As far removed from yours as worlds can be. The wonder is that I communicate with you at all. Got splinters already. Changing my name to Oliver Remote Control. Oliver Remote Control. I'm changing my name to Oliver Remote Control, Joe. I would say that was indicated by your last utterance. Yes. <laughs> Indeed. Are we recording now? Well, we could be. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? Does that mean we're not recording or we are? Yes, we are. Actually, we are. Well, I'm sorry then. <laughs> well, this is still officially the January episode, Matt, because it's still officially <laughs> January. Yes, it's the last ass day of January, Joe. It's I didn't last. even know. That. I thought it was February first all day. <laughs> I didn't realize that January had thirty-one days. January does have thirty-one days. Yes, it's one of the all the rest have thirty-one. <laughs> <laughs> all the rest have thirty-one. 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 Indeed. <laughs> indeed. Nobody puts indeed in a song, Joe. So, are you thinking about Nixon? So, I guess the last podcast we did then was the Christmas special. And we hope that you all enjoyed the Christmas special. It took a lot of work, actually. It was the Andy Williams Christmas special. Yes, without Andy Williams. (laughs) Yeah, we uh, left the Andy Williams part out, unfortunately. Yeah, that's what we did the year before, I think, didn't we? To the Andy Williams Christmas special. Yeah, we probably did. We've done a number of Andy <laughs> Williams Christmas specials without Andy Williams. Okay, let's face it. He's just not available anymore. He simply isn't available. For Christmas specials or for any kind of specials, I don't think. He's extremely special. I'm going to move that so, in. Oh, my God. He's trying to take my teeth out with his microphone device. Yeah. I came within three feet of him. Who, Andy Williams? No, you. Huh. <laughs> I was thinking, when did that, when, Joe? I came within three feet of Andy Williams. It was just the other Joe, day. No, I was you... getting into a cab on 47th Street. <laughs> I was crossing the road. <laughs> he was dropping me off. <laughs> Where are you? He was dropping me off, see? <laughs> <laughs> you and Mr. Williams, sir. I said, hey, Mr. Williams, sir. Got any extra room in that cab? 
<laughs> this thing's ticking like a bomb. <laughs> Where are you going with that package, Mr. Williams? It's ticking <laughs> like a bomb. <laughs> That's how come Andy Williams doesn't do a special anymore. <laughs> That's certainly why, why he doesn't do a special with us. <laughs> yeah. We're too ridiculous. Nobody does a special with us. I know. We try to get stars. We can't even get people we know that aren't even vaguely stars. They're like a million times less popular than the Beatles. We can't even get them. I know. We've tried to get Claude Akins. He wouldn't go. No, I think he's dead, though. We tried to get... (laughs) Might make a difference. (laughs) (laughs) We tried to get Ed McMahon. We talked to his people. <laughs> his people talk to our people. His people in the graveyard. <laughs> I, I talked to his people. The people who work at the graveyard. <laughs> they wouldn't even pass a message to him. They looked at us incredulously. They looked at me like I was crazy. I don't know why. I think they're prejudiced. They're prejudiced. <laughs> they're prejudiced, see? <laughs> yeah, see? So, most of the people we, we hit up for our Christmas special were... In the graveyard. <laughs> We're in the graveyard. Damn it. Yes. Yeah, it was sad but true. Um, but we got through it anyway. And uh, we, yeah, we shared a lot of <laughs> whimsical moments. We had, a, another. We had a, a slap happy episode of the Ned Show. We hope you all enjoyed. We didn't hear anyone's response, so... We take that as yes, great success. Audience, silent, presumed satisfied. <laughs> They're just so awestruck by the <laughs> splendiferousness of we're just, the episode. We're waiting for the applause to begin. Filled, torrent with, of filled with songs, I might add. It was a musical. It was chock full of songs. It was a dance number. It was a drama. <laughs> it, was, it was a drama, a musical. <clears throat> yes, and of course, this month's episode... Sad. Sad and dramatic. We had new writers this month. <laughs> yes. I was too busy. So we called in the only other person that could possibly write an episode as stupid. <laughs> Me. <laughs> yeah. Joe. <laughs> I give it to Matt and he says, What's in this thing, Joe? It's ticking like a bomb. <laughs> I couldn't believe. How terrible it was. <laughs> when Joe gave me the script. <laughs> I first tasted the script. I hated it because it tasted so good. <laughs> He's quoting from Kung Fu. <laughs> yes. Well, some of you will know this. Nobody knows it, Joe. Well, I happen to know that there are people who are wi- who are listening to the show right now who, who have watched Kung Fu. Nobody has, Joe. Absolutely someone has. I promise you. If that's true, I'll go up into your room and break <laughs> something that you really love. Which was a line from another episode of Kung Fu. You have to do a Kung Fu parody show. You can smell hell, but you don't own it. <laughs> Kung Fu is great because they go for like 10 minutes without anyone saying anything. <laughs> I was like, Jesus, I want to write for that show. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Just I think they were paid by the word. Pages. They were running out of like money at that point. Yeah, there was one where some guy died, and and it was it was at the it was before the beginning of the show, and the whole show is kind of them just talking about the guy, and and different you know it was a loose sort of dramatic show. yeah it was really loose but it just that it was an hour show, <laughs> so it was like an hour long episode of people sitting in a single room, 
<laughs> talking about some guy that wasn't even in the show <laughs> who was supposedly dead on the show and people getting emotional and i like they had that one the obligatory episode where they have musicians just playing the whole <laughs> episode away they had Ho- jose feliciano oh my god that's right <laughs> some other guy which i kind of forgot his name and well they used to do that David all the carradine time. got to play the flute with them and Okay, they had a jam session. Yes, it was a jam session. <laughs> it's like, okay, last season of the show. Jam session episode. And what were they playing? <laughs> Wasn't Felice Navidad? Yeah, I think they did. I think they did play that. No. I, I, well, I don't know. Maybe they didn't. It sounded kind of like it. Everything that was in Feliciano plays kind of sounded like that. <laughs> <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Yeah, it was... Um, that was a kind of a common thing in television shows. Yeah, they kind of sixties and seventies, particularly. Yeah, they pals well, after that, too, like yeah. Chad and Jeremy would show up, right? <laughs> Buddy Hackett. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yes, Buddy Hackett. Lou Rawls Hackett. showed up on the yeah Big the Big Valley. Valley. Yeah. yeah, he did a song. He did like Swing Low. Sweet Chariot. Yep, he sang a very soulful Swing Low, Sweet Chariot. Yeah. Spotlight and new roles now. <laughs> well, the Big Valley, the Big Valley was great because they, they would have comedians on the show being like so incredibly serious. They like had Uncle Milty was in an episode, Milton Berle, and he was like so freaking serious. Yeah, and Marty <laughs> Allen. Yeah, right. Yeah. Was, like, oh my god. Yeah, they were comedians hired to be incredibly serious. Oh yeah, and they had um, what the hell? What's the hell's name? I can't think of his name. I can't think of his name. Joe, help, help, help! He was in Wiz. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's tip of my tongue. Singer, brotherly love. Oh yeah, Robert Goulet. Robert Goulet. He was in an episode of Big Valley. <laughs> the famous Robert Goulet. Speaking of Christmas specials. Yes. Yeah, we should have had him. Oh, he's dead too. Oh man, everybody's freaking dead. We can't have it. We well, can't have a stupid Christmas special because everybody's dead. Well, that's why we didn't have any guests on our Christmas specials because everyone is dead. Yeah, nobody returned our emails. <laughs> We're calling all these people that are no longer alive. Yes, that's must, why they didn't call back. I must say, I do have a shocking number of dead people on my on my phone. It's like phone numbers for people who are now dead. It's like I look at really? it and think, hey, wow, I can't call them. They're dead now. I can't do that. Yeah, Pete Seeger can't call him anymore. He just died this week. Sadly, no. 94, though. Oh, my goodness. That's not too bad. Not bad at all. And he was active right up until the end, pretty much. I mean, yeah, I was. I heard an interview with him from this year. Well, not well, not 2014, but... Yeah, he was still... 2013. Still talking to people and performing and stuff. And, yeah. Yeah. Ninety four, but his his wife had just passed away. Oh, really? Within the last that. year, I think. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yep. It was just this past year because I remember talking about it. Oh, okay. Yeah, terrible. Yeah, that's how I I, I heard Amy Goodman had a special uh, on Democracy Now. Where she plays. He's he's one of the like an handful with Pete Seeger. He's one of the handful of people that. John Stewart did like a little tribute to it at the end of his show. Oh, he did <laughs> like one when, for him. When oh, Kurt Vonnegut died. He did one, and yeah. then 
the other night he was like, well, now we know, lost another great one. <laughs> uh, Showed a picture of him playing somewhere. I don't know where. He was just such a beanpole. Yeah, no, he was such a good man. That's so good with the environmental issues in yeah. later years. He was anti-fracking, too. Very big. Oh, can't afford to lose people like that. No, he will be missed. He will be missed, but he didn't, you know. Life didn't know him anything. He was 94. Yeah. Kept going. That's pretty long time. Indeed. Indeed. So what else happened this past month? Uh, Things on the farm? I don't know. Uh, Yeah, things are still on the farm. (laughs) (laughs) things are still on the farm the 47 deer hunting season finally ended that was good we got chicken on the farm yeah (laughs) it's been a really cold winter uh we've had many days below zero temperatures i think the lowest temperature i've had in years when i arrived at the farm it was like 17 below actual temperature not including wind chill wow that was pretty impressive that's crazy but, you know, you dress for it and you're okay. I was able to handle it. My beard froze. I was like... Yeah, your beard froze right to your face. It didn't come off. Yeah. Actually, the other day, it wasn't quite that cold, but my, my beard froze to... Uh, like I had um, kind of a scarf thing around my face, and my beard froze to the scarf. Oh, my God. I couldn't get the scarf off. It's like, ah, ah, it's frozen to my beard. Stop it. It was Stop weird. It. So that happened. So that happened. And I can't think of what else happened. I've just been too busy, Joe, to think. Extremely busy. Very busy. Uh, yes. That's a nice Tohee picture. Yeah, that's your, uh, that's your screensaver images. Yeah, yeah. Ouch. The spring farm still, um... Are we recording again? Yes. Oh my god. Well, well, you could tell me. Oh, action. <laughs> that's, that's better. Now you're talking. But now I'm supposed to yeah. be professional. So uh, the reason why we didn't put a podcast out in January was because I got sick. And so I was sick for a co- for about a week. But then my voice was gone for another week. So I couldn't do anything. Yes. Most even though we had an, an episode of Ned Truck all Steaming, steaming hot turds. We couldn't read it because I was too ill. So, so well, I don't want to give away the magic of how an episode of Ned Treg, Treg, <laughs> Ned Treg, Ned Treg is created. But Ned Treg, we actually do have to do work on it. <laughs> <laughs> do <laughs> <laughs> really yeah yes i guess we do yes oh bloody hell and that wasn't happening so uh, i guess the, for the february episode which this is we'll be uh playing parts of the lost january episode <laughs> <laughs> most certainly we will be doing that yeah but good news, we seem to be on track to have a March episode. <laughs> in fact, uh, 
the episode of Ned Trek uh, is uh, going to be ready in time. Oh, excellent. Yes, excellent. The script and is that going to be the... is actually done. Which which episode is that? Uh, what the hell is it called? <coughs> um, I can't think, Joe. I have no idea what it is. What's it what about? It's about. Well, you would have to ask me. Oh, putting you on the spot, am I? <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> no clue. What it is. Squirm, well, you know, little man. You know Squirm. why? Because I just finished mixing the, the episode that <laughs> we finished. So that's the only one I can think of. The episode I pulled out of my ass. Yes, it's yeah. called a bad joke time. <laughs> <laughs> bad joke time. Yeah. Uh, Ned sixteen. Bad joke time. <laughs> bad joke time. <laughs> yes. Many spoofs. Many spoofs. So what kind of music would you like to play this week? Oh my god, I I have no idea. I didn't think about that at all. <laughs> we were like so completely unprepared. It's like did you know you were going to record a podcast today? No, not really. <laughs> not entirely. No. I had uh, no idea. Um, what do you suggest? What do we have? Um, to pull things out of the bin? We have things in the bin. Where have they been? <laughs> Where have they been? Where have they been? Are you listening, Nixon? Are you listening, Agnew? What? Uh, 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 do you mean old stuff or things... That we've done in more recent times that are in the bin. What what stuff are you referring to? Well, let's see what we have. Let's see what we are have. we going to look right now. Yeah, why not? Okay. Yes. Did so. you turn it on? <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't turned it on yet. No one can hear us. Oh, good. Say anything you like to anyone about anyone. NSA can blow me. Speak, I tell you. Speak, speak. <laughs> And forever Spirit, hold you. your peace. Well, we have a song that's called um, Paradise. Yes, we've and played think... it on the podcast before, but it's a long time ago. I think no you're one familiar who's with listening it. now probably was listening <laughs> no one then. is listening now. Because I don't think anyone ever listens to more than one episode of the Ned Truck Show. <laughs> before they leave. Or this has been green, I should say. I never return. They <laughs> <laughs> listen to it and think. What are they doing now? <laughs> what are they doing now? Um, yes, it's... Um, so this is... Yes, this well, is... Paradise. It's a true story. It's a true story about a true man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Written in the before times. Before the awful things. Far before the awful things. Written in the 80s. It's an 80s song, I think. Right? Or is it? I think this is more Late 90s. 80s? Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh. Like around ninety, ish. Mm, might be a little later than that because this is like yeah. And, Joe knows everything. This was later than your like um, your Andromeda period. Oh, I had and, an Andromeda period. <laughs> yes, when you wrote Andromeda and did we ever play Love that on the podcast? Tune? No, I never have. Huh. We should probably play that. Some <laughs> <laughs> well, we could. <laughs> well, we'll we'll play Paradise this this time and the next month. We'll save. We'll save the oldies for next month. Yeah. Well, we'll do an oldies month. We'll do oldies month. So we could harken back to the Andromeda period. This is retread month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll do a retread of it. Well, Andromeda you know, we're working on songs for the next episode of the Ned. I know. We're also transitioning to a new recording system, so it's 
taking a little while. Yeah. Joe's got to figure it out. Because we're doing it on a shoestring. It's just stupid. I am stupid. It's true. I'm stupid, too. It's I'm stupid in my choice and <laughs> What I think choice? that's evidence. <laughs> Obviously, we have no choice. <laughs> <laughs> we were born with each other. I'm stuck with people who are a million times worse than Neil Sadaka. <laughs> According to popularity, yeah, and we're trying to do like, some kind of, of money. Yeah, we're doing some kind of calculus of like how many times worse than Neil Sadaka are we, or how, how many? Times... <laughs> Why Neil Sadaka? I don't know. And then divide his audience <laughs> by the number of times worse than him. That <laughs> and we come out to about a, a million times worse than Neil Sadaka. You know, so, so maybe so, we have five listeners. So the song Paradise. <laughs> Is at least a million million times worse than "Choose Your Neil Sedaka." <laughs> okay, playing it now. Okay, Paradise. Here a one comes. and a two and a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine.
get you interested You say you wish I hadn't Here let me draw you a picture Yeah, that was a good song. That's that's just so inspiring. I love that song. So edifying. I am very fond of that song, actually. Okay, we have another song, too. I believe we have another song, yes. Uh, this song is called is Kubla, uh, Khan? Kubla Khan. Oh, Kubla Khan. Kubla Khan. We've also played this before on the podcast, but again, nobody's probably old enough to remember when we did that. <laughs> Ask your mother. <laughs> so, this was song, before you were born. Uh, now, this song was definitely a 90s song. I thought this one was done. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. No, you're right. Oh. I, I'm agreeing with you. Oh, I thought you um, were going to say no. It was I, from the 80s. This was done in the same group of songs that I think Paradise came from. Yeah. Yeah. Because yep. you did a raft of songs that included that. They were on a raft. Yes. Was I on floated a raft. them out into the Sea of Magma. Yeah, that's when you did. And what was that in the beginning? Oh, yeah. That's a weird song. <laughs> I'll be in the end. <laughs> we should re-record that song. <laughs> yes, that was good. Kind of goes like that. That had a groovy guitar in it. It had a groovy guitar. Okay, so now we're playing Kubla Khan, based, loosely based on the life of Kubla Khan. Kubla Khan. <laughs> and, well, and the other Khans. <laughs> Khan and Reverend Dominion the Sing. <laughs> Okay, starting. And Kubla Khan. A one and yes. a two and a... Hey! Hey! <laughs> 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 
We just was a gun. No, no, you no. I'm not Kubla Khan. Yeah, well, well, that was strange. Yeah, that was good. That was good. Um, uh, so, what are you doing for the uh, Super Bowl? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Joe. I just when is don't it? Know. <laughs> I think it's tomorrow. It's no. tomorrow? No, it's Sunday. Huh. It's this Sunday. Yes. So if you, I'm going to the grocery store. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's as long a, as you're not buying any Capicola, you'll be fine. Who is this Capicola? <laughs> Lou Capicola. I'm not buying Lou Capicola, Joe. Our cousin Peter said one year that it was Super Bowl, the day before Super Bowl Sunday, there won't be a slice of... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> be a slice of salami anywhere in East Uke. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like something he'd say. <laughs> Which is probably pretty true. In East Utica. In East Chudica. Yeah, um, well, the good thing about going to the grocery store on Super Bowl Sunday is that nobody's there. It's great. Yes, they're watching the Super Bowl. So if you're somebody who doesn't appreciate the finer things people in, in your store <laughs> with you, <laughs> if you tend to be kind of a hermit <laughs> if you're a hermit you should appreciate going to the store on stupid bowl sunday stupid bowl sunday i was going to flush the super bowl 
<laughs> but I couldn't find the lever. <laughs> hey, aren't you the lever? <laughs> Unilever. It's yes. a lever. <laughs> Brought to you by Unilever. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I've ever watched a Super Bowl, actually. No. No, you probably haven't, and I know I haven't. I don't. I don't follow the sport, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> don't know. Don't follow the sport. <laughs> that's, that's what a gym teacher said to Joe once. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was reading. He he was reading comments from it. He he had handed out like a test, or some kind of. It was kind of like a survey slash quiz on the first day of of class. Yeah, asking you and, about who and what yeah, what it was like who is... won, you know, <laughs> who won the FA Cup. Right. Yeah, it was it was questions about sporting events and you know, various contests in various sporting events and of course would the answer for me would be don't know, don't follow the sport because I just didn't. I didn't realize it <laughs> to, was required uh, to all the questions. I didn't realize that we were required to know all about sports before we walked into the first yeah. day of class with this gentleman. Right. So, <laughs> so he was like contemptuously reading off the responses, and it wasn't just me; it was like several other people. It was like, "Wow, don't know, don't follow the sport." Uh, <sighs> yeah, don't really follow any sport. <laughs> he just—he could not believe it. He could not believe it. So now that we've alienated everyone in America that loves sports, which is, I think, just about everyone, we should probably go. Now I'm going to alienate everyone who loves bingo. Okay, we're going now. Oh, we're going. Enjoy the stupid bowl. I'll try not to flush it. Hold on here. watching. Hold on here. It's time for us to go. It's time for us to go. It's time for us. It's time for us. It's time for us to go. 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 It's time for us to time for us to go. That's all we got. Not very much, really. Well, there was a lot of really interesting things happening in this month's show, wasn't there, Matt? It was a million times worse than Neil Sedaka's podcast. Show. Oh, stop it! This is Big Green, brought to you by uh, I don't know. I keep asking the Koch brothers to underwrite us, but they won't. Yeah, but the Koch brothers did. Oh, the Koch brothers did. Well, we're brought to you by the Koch brothers. Find out more about us at big-green.net. Follow me on Twitter at Big Green Joe. You can follow me, but yeah. I can't remember how. Aww. <laughs> so don't. Don't.